Homily for Trinity Sunday, St. Mary's Church, May 27, 2018. Every year, the Sunday after Pentecost is dedicated to the Holy Trinity. And this is one of those days when the homily can become rather academic. On one hand, it's very important to teach the Church's doctrines accurately and faithfully. But before long, when studying the Holy Trinity, one can quickly get deep into the weeds. My intention is to steer us in a different direction and speak about the fundamental issue at stake when we reflect on the Trinity, namely, Revelation. You'll see that the idea behind what the Church teaches on the Trinity really doesn't have to be complicated. Consider for a moment all the different kinds of religions that there are in the world. God has planted in the human heart both an awareness of divinity and a desire to seek him out. However, left to our own devices, we only get so far. What is the difference with our religion as Catholics? We believe that God has revealed himself definitively through his Son, Jesus, and he leads us into the fullness of truth with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. This revelation is something we human beings could never have fully grasped on our own. It is also gratuitous. There is none other who could force God to make this revelation. God freely chose both to create us so that there would be something outside of himself and to shed light on the identity of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It would be much easier to say God is one and be done with it. But that is not being faithful to what God has shown us. The very fact that God has freely disclosed himself as he is, is wondrous enough. This is what Moses marveled about in the first reading. What nation is there that has gods as close to them as our God is to us? We teach that the persons of the Trinity are three in essence and one in substance. But we need examples to paint a clearer picture of this reality because it is so unusual. Here are two of my favorites. First, let's say I cut an apple from top to bottom and hold up the cross-section of one half. There are three distinct parts which are not interchangeable. The core in the center, the flesh, and the skin on the outside. But all three are apple, made of the same thing. The second example I want to share with you has to do with clouds. In a few moments when we recite the Nicene Creed together, we will say the following phrase. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Now imagine that you're sitting outside on a summer's day, and you see a single cloud come over the western horizon. You take note of it and grab a sip of your beverage. You look again, and you see two clouds in the same spot. Did the second cloud make the first one? Is the first cloud you saw superior or of a different substance? Not at all. The second cloud, you might say, proceeded from the first, as the Son eternally proceeds from the Father. The Holy Spirit is the bond of love between Father and Son, so dynamic that it is itself a person shared with the world. I came across a story in a magazine that illustrates the meaning of the Trinity in a powerful way. Years ago, a wealthy man and his son shared a passion for art collecting. 
They both collected beautiful works of art and appreciated their excellence. When war broke out, the son left to serve his country. The father was thrown into a panic when he received the news that his art-loving son had been killed in action. After a number of lonely months passed by, a visitor came to see the old man. He was an army buddy of his deceased son. The soldier explained, I was the one he was rescuing when he died. I came to bring you this. He unwrapped the package, and it was a portrait of the old man's son, a striking likeness. Daily the father would sit before the mantel and admire the portrait. The man began to realize that his son had touched the lives of many and would be remembered for his virtues. Soon this portrait became more priceless to him than any other art piece he owned. The old man died the following spring. An auction was held to sell off his accumulated precious art collection. Artists from throughout the world gathered to bid on the pieces. But the auction began with a painting that was not on any museum's list. It was the portrait of the old man's son. When the auctioneer asked for an opening bid, the room fell silent. From the back of the room came a question. Who cares about that painting? It's just his son's picture. Forget about that. Let's get to the good stuff. More voices echoed in agreement. No, the auctioneer insisted. This one comes first. Now who will bid on this portrait of the son? Finally, a friend of the deceased old man asked, Will you take ten dollars for the painting? That's all I can afford to spend. I knew the boy well. I thought highly of him, and I'd like to have it. Any higher bids, called the auctioneer. After more deafening silence, he continued, Going once. Going twice. Gone. Cheers filled the room. Now let's get on with it. It's time to see the real treasures. The auctioneer stunned the crowd when he announced, The auction is over. What do you mean it's over? We didn't come here for a picture of some guy's son. What about all of the paintings? There are millions of dollars of artwork here. They demanded an explanation. The auctioneer replied, It is very simple. According to the will of the father... Whoever takes the son gets it all. Sure enough, they checked his last will and testament, which stipulated that only the bidder who purchased his son's portrait would receive the entire collection. Whoever takes the son receives it all. As we have been given the son, we have all else besides, thanks to him.